so we are going to continue um, to um, with the book of Colossians, and um, it's it's been a book very close to my heart, and I, I I really wanted to come back to it because I think there's still things for us as a church to be learning as a church family. So um, I realized that um, our time of one hour. Uh, as we meet as a congregation, is not enough. It doesn't do it justice. And uh, I'm trying to be as brief as possible. But I, I think there's things here that shouldn't be rushed. And um, I would really encourage you to continue to spend some time reading Colossians. And I'd really encourage you to um, really ponder in what God has been drawing your attention to. And we, we talked about this new life in Jesus, new life in Christ. And, and it's a miracle, we have said. It's a miracle that only Jesus can, can make it possible. And Paul is not mincing his words for the Colossians church. He's wanting to encourage them. He wants them to, to really uh, embrace the beauty of the new life that they've got in Jesus. If you remember a while ago, or maybe three Sundays ago, I talked a little bit about, um, if you can see here, I've got some coat hangers. As I said, I almost brought them a Sunday to church. And for those of you who were there two or three Sundays ago, you'd remember the analogy where Paul uh, is encouraging the, the, the disciples of Jesus in Colossae to, to get rid of of the old lifestyle and to embrace a new lifestyle and 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 basically i i use the analogy of a of a wardrobe with, with things that we don't need and they're not necessary for a life and i think this is the kind of the idea that paul is trying to say to the church in Colossae. and this week i i was really struck again and i thought that i i had not done it justice to the phrase in chapter 3, verses, um, verse 11, really, in that sense. And before I, I read that verse, I want to give us a little bit of a context with the passages that I'm going to read, and then we're going to ponder a few minutes on the meaning of what does that mean for us, uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 11. So um, there we are. Colossians chapter 3, I'm reading it from the New Living Translation. It says, since you've been raised to new life with Jesus, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right, right hand. So Paul has got a very clear picture of where Jesus is. And how he relates to him. This new life of people of God. This new life that Paul himself is experiencing. And where he stands. Where he stands with that. And because of this new life. Paul is saying. Then you just get rid of. You put to death. Things that are not anymore. Related to the new life. That you have experienced in Jesus. So he's saying. Well have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Do not be greedy. 
Do not be an idolater. Do not be worshipping the things of this world. Anger. Um, rage. Malicious behavior. Verses 8. Slender and dirty language. Lying to each other. For you have been stripped off of the old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on the new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. It is God's plan. It is God's desire for us to be new, to living this new life in Christ as new cre creations, as new creatures, as new beings that as full of life that Jesus gives us. So, and then he's saying, but in this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. And it's this phrase that I really want to, to dwell on together today. Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. Um, the, the young people did a great job with leading us into those uh, prayers of intercession. And I was really struck by what Jocelyn uh, shared about the, the precious that the young people uh, face at school, the pressures that social media causes us uh, today. And I, I'm sure that um, at, at, at one stage um, this week, we have been felt pressurized to react to something. And I, I just wanted to draw that as a parallel that actually even the community in Colossae is feeling pressurized. Um, and that's why Paul is writing this letter, because he knows, he knows that they, they can get drifted away and get distracted by other things that put unnecessary pressure and lose sight of who we are in the Lord Jesus. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Um, some of the community in Colossae was confused. Some of them were wobbly about their faith some of them have been distracted by different things and to the point that some people had come in with clever ideas and to divide them up and paul is saying this is nothing to do with a new life that we've got in jesus so there was a, a an idea of people in one sense talking a little bit about the, the distinction he needs to, to, to clearly say that, that there is no distinction. There is no national or racial distinction that determines one's accept, being accepted to God. That, that is not determined by, 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 by our nationality or our race or anything like that. God loves everybody and God wants all people to know him. But what's happening here is also that there is an element of religious superiority um, or even cultural that I'm a little bit more religious than you are. I'm a little bit more pious than you are. Uh, what well, I am Roman and Greek and you are 
barbarian and you are sync and all those things that were totally not part of the embracing good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this Paul cannot hold back from that. He knows that there are things in the church, in the community of faith, that need to come. And they need to come to the cross of Jesus. And they need to be actually challenged by the good news of Jesus. We had, uh, Paul says here, talking about this, this clear distinction, clear clear cuts, and he says that does not exist in the community of faith. A barbarian was somebody who did not know the Greek language. His language was a foreign language. And the Scythians were even the lower grade of the the barbarians. They were the lower type of people. And this is irrelevant when it comes to know Christ. This is irrelevant to when it comes to know Jesus, because the new man lives, this new creation, this new woman lives in a new environment with all the racial, national, religious, intellectual, cultural, cultural, and social distinctions, that there are no more. And Paul wants to make sure that this is community, this, this, this newness of life in Jesus impacts the relationship of the community. But he doesn't want us to move on yet to the relationships. We'll come to that uh, famous passage of chapter four of relationships. Uh, we will come there. We need to hear the whole counsel of God. But what's, what's important here is that he wants them to know that Christ is now all that matters in all who believe. And I think this is the most inclusive statement of the New Testament. I think this is the most inclusive statement of the New Testament. And I think also it really fits with the spirit and the the flow of the letter when he's talking about who Christ is, his preeminence, his, his, his significance, his number one. Jesus is the first. He's the first in everything. He's the first in importance. He is the first in honor. He is the first in exaltation. And the church of God needs to know this. Needs to rem- we need to remind ourselves with this. Because actually, in Colossae, there were three main areas that this needed to materialize and translate well. What did it mean uh, for the Colossians to to, to have Christ uh, is all? What does it mean for them? So there were three three different areas, really, in that sense. So um, if you remember Colossians 2, he's talking uh, 1 and and uh, 2.18 mainly. He's addressing them. Um, as a congregation in Colossae, uh, because somebody has come and said, well, actually, Jesus is not enough. You need some extra stuff to mediate between you and God. And I was so pleased that John started the service the way uh, he started with, with that song, uh, Jaire, you are enough. 
I will be content. And I think contentment is something that is really, we, we need to look and we need to visit regularly. Because if God says that Jesus is enough, then I think that is plenty for us to deal with. And if we're looking for contentment elsewhere, because we are bombarded with extra information, which actually is encouraging us not to think that Jesus is enough. I think this is the place where we need to really search our hearts. Jesus is enough for salvation. There is no place for another kind of angelic mediation in God's redemptive work. Jesus has done it. He's finished it and has offered it to you and to me. And if other people, if other sources tell you to do otherwise, they're not telling you the real gospel, the good news of Jesus. Jesus is not only enough for salvation, which the Colossians need to hear, but he is also enough to set the Colossians apart, to sanctify them, to bring them to be salt and light in the community, in the culture, in the places of work where they are. So in one sense, um, if they've got some teaching there that are saying, hey, let's become a little bit more legalistic. Let's become a little bit more um, self-depriving um, of, of, of things because maybe that's how we're trying to appease God with our life and be on God's good, good books. Paul is saying those teachers, those ideologies are not gospel because actually Jesus has not given his life for us so he can burden us with more rules and more regulation. When the son of God sets you free, you are free indeed. That's the gospel message. And the Colossians really need to hear that. I think the church today in the 21st century, I think I, as a follower of Jesus, need to hear that and believe that. Because as he says in, in Colossians 3, 3 and 4, Jesus is my life. He is our life. And finally, not only Jesus is enough and is everything in salvation, not only he is enough and everything in sanctification to set the Colossians apart, but he is also enough for human satisfaction. And basically, this group of believers was being introduced to a different kind of philosophy. Well, it suited the culture. It suited uh, wherever they were. The, the, the Greeks, they were driven by philosophies, by, by things that were other than what they were being introduced to the gospel. And, and actually, things that were hindering and being harmful to the, to the gospel message and to the gospel transformation. And that's why he dares to write here, Christ is all that matters and he lives in us all. So basically the address here is that, yes, you may be introduced to different 
um, angelic mediation. Yes, you may be introduced to some extra rules and ascetic uh, forms. Maybe you might be introduced to some new philosophy. But don't get distracted. Don't get drifted. Don't get disturbed by it. Just follow. Stay on track. Because you will not be disappointed. Because Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. So the, the, the plead that uh, Paul has got for the Colossians is for the Colossians to yearn and to long for the Lord Jesus. Uh, two Sundays ago, I talked a little bit about Christ being Lord and King over our lives. Catherine reminded us with the opening statement that Jesus is our King and we worship him this morning. And I think we need to constantly remind ourselves of those truths. We are encouraged. We are invited to live out this miracle where Jesus is all we need. Jesus is enough. He is more than enough. He is everything. He is everything that we need. So perhaps that Psalm 131, the opening psalm, is quite adequate for us. My heart, my eyes are and I are stilled. And I've quietened like a wind child with his mother. I don't know what challenges you have been facing this week. I don't know what shouts and callings you have had to be drifting or to, to be distracted or to be thinking other than the sufficiency that there is in Jesus. I'd really like to invite you today to think about Christ being enough, being everything, and in him, us having life. This is, this is an amazing truth that the church in the 21st century needs to hear, needs to live out, needs to believe. If you have been challenged this morning and you wanted to, to, to think a little bit about that more, I, I want to encourage you that you don't leave the building or you don't go outside or when you go outside, that you ask to pray for somebody. To ask to pray, sorry, to ask somebody to pray for you, to ask uh, somebody to pray with you, to ask somebody to, to really uh, ask for God's strength. Perhaps you're wobbly today. Perhaps you are distracted. Perhaps you are confused. But that's not what God wants. He wants for you and I to have the fullness of the new life. He didn't say it's going to be easy, but it's a new life in Christ. And I, I've been challenged by, by this verse today, as I've been challenged all week. And I, I, I want to, 
to, to extend that to you. So I'm going to allow just a moment of, of space here, and then I'll pray for us. Lord, we are sorry for the times that we take you for granted. And we're so grateful for the truthfulness and the beauty of your word. Thank you for that great reminder today that Christ, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. And as you live in all of us, Lord, would you grant us everything that we need to reproduce your life in the way that we relate with one another, in the way that we relate to whatever you have in store for us this week, whether in the office, whether family, whether uh, meetings, whether um, trips, challenges, ups and downs. Lord, help us to live that new life. Help us, Lord, to glorify you. Help us, Lord, to continue to declare not only with our mouths, but with everything, every single minute piece of our beings, that Jesus Christ, you are all that matters. And thank you that you live in all of us. In Jesus' name, amen.